Especially those of you who are, are visitors, thank you for um, choosing to worship with us today. We are very thankful that you are here, and we're thankful for all of you who are uh, attending online today also. We are continuing in our series called The Truth About Truth. This is going to be the last one in this series, and um, as I promised last week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to practice the truth. So we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And this is what God's Word says from that passage. This is the message we have heard from Him, from Christ, and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let me pray one more time. Lord, these are good good truths, good words for us. But as I just prayed, we, we need you. So would you please be at work in me, in these folks here, in all the folks who listen to this, that by your spirit, you would produce faith where we need faith, repentance where we need repentance, and obedience where we need obedience, so that, again, we would bring glory to you, we would build this church up, and then we would be able to go out into the community and see good fruit. And this we pray For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. So, I read a quote recently that the best way to succeed in life is to take the advice you give others. The best way to succeed in life is to take the advice you give others. And when I read that, I thought, that's good, but this is what most of us are like. And here's an image that uh, I hope will come up sometime. There it is, me trying to listen to my own advice. (laughs) If you're missing it, those headphones aren't on his ears, right? And that's kind of what we're like. We, we may 
say what we think is right, but we don't always practice it. That's why you hear this statement, practice what you preach. And that's not just for preachers. That's for all of us to practice what we preach. But look, I know just as well as every one of you know that saying words is so much easier than practicing them, right? For those of us who are followers of Christ, let's admit, it's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to speak the truth. But it's another thing altogether to act on the truth. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That the truth about truth is this. Truth is to be practiced. Truth is to be practiced. Truth is not just something that we say we believe. It's not just something that we speak the truth to other people. It is something we are to act on. Right? If you know the truth, about poison, you don't take a glass of water that has arsenic in it and gulp it down because you know the truth is that it will kill you. So you don't do that. No, you practice the truth. And if we as Christians, as those of us who say we follow Jesus, if we are going to speak about the truth, if we're saying we believe the truth, we also need to be those who practice it. And we see this from this very passage in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says this. If we say we have fellowship with him, that is with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Right? If we say we have fellowship, but we do something different than what that fellowship indicates, then we are lying to other people and to ourselves, and we're not practicing the truth. The, the um, context there, of course, means that we are to practice it. That is what is meant for us to do, to practice this truth. In our Fellowship Hall Sunday School class, we've been going through the book of James, and it's been great, but it's also been challenging. Because there's a lot in the book of James that hits us right where we are. And as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think about that passage in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, that says this, uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing. So this is what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to practice the truth? Not just to know the truth and store it away so that we look godly in front of people at a Bible study, right? That's a temptation for us. Not just so that we can go out into the world and set people straight with our speech while we tell them the truth. That's a temptation also. But for us to actually say, this is what I believe, 
and this is what I do because I believe these things. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm sure there are more than this, but I'm going to say talk about three ways, three significant ways for us to practice the truth that come from this passage. All right, so three significant ways for us to practice the truth. Here's the first one that comes from this passage. We embrace our identity as those created to reflect God's goodness and to have fellowship with him. That's a mouthful, so let me say that again. We embrace our identity as those created to reflect God's goodness and to have fellowship with him. Let's break this down. The scriptures tell us that God is good. Okay? I, I hope all of us would agree with that. God is good. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we read this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The point of that passage really is to talk about good versus evil. What is true and right and good versus what is wrong, what is sinful. And God is perfectly good. There is no evil in him, no sin in him. There's nothing wrong in him. He is perfected goodness. And God is not only good, but he is the good creator of all things. And he designed everything to be good. Did you, did you know that? That everything that God created at the beginning, he designed it to be good. In fact, we read this in Genesis. In Genesis 1.1, we see this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that is, God created. And then in Genesis 1.31, we read, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Right? And that includes... Human beings, that human beings were designed to be good. In fact, we see that even clearer in Genesis 1, verses 20, verse 27, when he says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The idea is that both men and women were created in the image of God to reflect God back to God and to reflect God to each other. And that means we were to have a reflected goodness. God designed human beings to reflect his goodness. And to practice the truth means that we embrace that. That we don't kick up against it. That we don't try to run from it. That we say, no, God designed me to be good. And so I'm going to embrace that identity as much as I possibly can. Now, if you're feeling a little uncomfortable, what, just wait. We'll get to the sin part. We'll get there. But for now, know that that's the identity, especially those of us who are Christians... Because not only are we created in the image of God, we have been recreated to be new creations in Christ. 
And, and as we heard this morning, as we confess this morning from Ephesians, that we are those who are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good. Okay? God designed us to reflect his goodness, and, and part of practicing the truth is embracing that identity, recognizing this is who I am. This is who I designed, this is who God designed me to be. But there's another part of this statement that I said, not only did God design us to, have, to reflect his goodness, but he also designed us to have fellowship with him. God designed us to have a relationship with him, to, to have a fellowship with him. And this is what we see, in, again, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it's not just that we were meant to reflect God and his goodness. We were meant to have fellowship with this good God. We were meant to have a relationship with him. Think about what Jesus says in Matthew, okay? Where Jesus says, well, so there was a lawyer, and a lawyer asked Jesus a question to test him. And he says, teacher, which of the great commandments in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So this is what Jesus says. If you're going to come up with one command that is the most important command, it's love God with everything you are. And it's easy to say we love God. But where is the practice of that? Are we having fellowship with God? Are we seeking God? Uh, think about it this way. Let's say there's this guy, and we'll call him, for the sake of argument, Bob. And Bob lives in Zimbabwe. Bob in Zimbabwe, okay? And someone comes up to you and says, hey, do you know Bob in Zimbabwe? And you say, oh, yeah! I love Bob in Zimbabwe. And then they ask you, so have you talked to him recently? No. Have you spent time with him recently? No. Have you picked up the phone to call him recently? No. Have you written him any letters? No. Do you read the letters that he sends to you? No. Do you ever th spend time actually thinking about Bob? Not really. If that was the case for Bob in Zimbabwe, what would that person who's asking you those questions assume about you? That you don't really love Bob. You don't really care about Bob. Because if you cared about him, if you loved him, you would at least do something to have a fellowship with him. Something. If that's the case for Bob in Zimbabwe, how much more is that the one who created us to have a relationship with him? It's so easy to fall into religion. Right? 
check off the box, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I got it all down, I'm right with Jesus, I'm right with God, but there's no fellowship. There's no time spent. I don't really want to be in God's presence. All I want to do is check off the box of my religion. That's not a relationship. That's not fellowship. But that's what we were designed for. And if you believe the good news that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead so that you would have fellowship with God and we're ignoring the fellowship part, then we're missing something huge, right? To practice the truth not only means that we are to reflect God, we're to identify ourselves with, this is who I am. I was created in the image of God. God created me to reflect his glory and his goodness, and I want to do that. I have a desire to do that, and I want to be in fellowship with him. I want to spend time with him. I want to know more about him, and I want to talk with him, and I want to listen for him. That's part of what it means to embrace our identity is those designed to reflect God's goodness and to have fellowship with him. That's the way we practice the truth. But there is a second way that we reflect the truth. And this is where maybe the discomfort that you felt at least will be a little bit re relieved. Not only are we to reflect God's goodness, embrace that identity and say, this is what I want. And not only are we to say, I want to have fellowship with God. The second way we practice the truth is this. We are quick to confess how we fall short. Quick to confess how we fall short. In 1 John, we read these words. 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, you can't practice the truth if it's not in you. If we say we don't have sin, if we say, no, I'm not a sinner, I'm, I, I, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm perfect, I'm, everything I do is right. Now, no one would say it quite like that. But sometimes we act like it, right? He goes on to say in 1 John 1.10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, not, that's not only deceiving ourselves, that's saying, God, I know you say that I fall short, but I think you're a liar. Ooh. We need to be those who are quick to confess how we fall short. I was designed to reflect God's goodness, but I fall short. I was designed to have fellowship with God, but I go sometimes days without praying. We need to be that kind of people that we can speak the truth about ourselves and confess where we really are. Now, Let's face it, we don't like doing this. We don't like confessing how we've fallen short. How many people have you ever gone to and say, 
you know what, you're wrong about this. And they said, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Right? Most of the time, we get defensive. Most of the time, we try to justify ourselves. Most of the time, we try to show the other person how we really are right. Or if we know we can't do that, then we start pointing the finger at them. Oh, well, you say that I'm doing this. Well, that may be true, but you do this, right? Isn't that what we do? I've been thinking about this. Why is it that I am not quick to confess? Is it shame? I'm ashamed of something I've done. Is it embarrassment? I'm embarrassed that someone's going to find out how I am not what I pretend to be. Is it fear of rejection? That I'm afraid if you really get to know what I'm like, you're going to reject me. Is it pride? I want to look good. But admitting that I've sinned means... I'm not as good as I want you to think I am. Is it because I would rather believe a lie that I am better than I actually am so that I don't have to deal with sin in my life? The more I've thought about this and the more I've tried to apply this to my own life, the more I've thought there are only three responses. Well, maybe, maybe there's more, but three general responses to when someone points out my sin that I think are acceptable. You want to hear what they are? Number one, someone says, Stuart, you're wrong about this. You've got sin in your life. And I say, you're right. <laughs> that is sin in my life. Thank you for loving me enough to point that out. That is practicing the truth. Or, number two, I really appreciate you bringing this up. And right now, I'm not seeing it the way you're seeing it, but I know I have blind spots, so tell me more. Tell me more so I can see what you're seeing. That's practicing the truth. Or number three, thank you for coming to me with that. I need some time to pray about it. I need to process what you've said. After I pray, and I promise you I will pray, after I pray about it and process it, I'd like to get back together with you and, and talk about this some more. I think those three are great responses of how to practice the truth, that we all fall short, we all sin, we've all got blind spots, we all mess up. It's time for us to take off the mask and be what we really are and not try to hide it. Look, as your pastor, 
I know stuff about some of you that I would never share, right? I would never share that with anybody else, but I'm glad you shared it with me. You know why? One, it helps me to see that the scriptures really are true, that we all are sinners and we all fall short. And second, it helps me to know how to pray for you. And third, it helps me to be real with you too. Because when we're all putting on the mirages, when we're all trying to put up the walls and pretend, when we all have the facade of we all look so great, but really what's going on in our lives is something completely different, we have no room to actually hear the gospel. We have no room to actually hear the good news. And that is where we're going to go next. Because the practice, the truth, not only do I embrace this idea that, yeah, I was designed to be a reflection of God's goodness. Yes, I was designed to have fellowship with God, but let's face it, I fall short on both of those. I do, and I need good news, and that is the third way that we practice the truth. We cling to Jesus as our only hope and submit to Him as Lord. That is how we practice the truth. We embrace this designation, this idea that, yes, I really am to reflect God's goodness. I am to have fellowship with Him, but I mess up. I fall short. I fail, and I need Jesus. I need Him. He's not just some thing that I add to my life like, like a condiment, like mustard on a sandwich. He is everything because He is the only one that can save me from my sin and put me right to be what I was designed to be in the first place. Listen to this great message that John gives in 1 John 1.9. He says, if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying in this passage. Because every one of us, after hearing that, we should either say, that can't be true, or hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? Because this says, if we confess our sins, if I come clean, if I come to God and I say, here's what I've done, here's where I've messed up, Here's, I agree with you. You say I'm a sinner. I agree. And here's how I have sinned. That he is faithful and just. Faithful and just to forgive. Do you, that is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing because it doesn't say gracious and merciful. Right? Right? That God is like, okay, well, yeah, you messed up, so I'll just, you know, I'll hand you a little grace there. Don't do it again. Now he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Why is he just to forgive our sins? Because Jesus took those sins upon himself at the cross. 
And when we confess our sins, we're saying, yes, Jesus died for me. And God is just. He is right. He has served justice on us by cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Because Jesus has already paid the price. That's good news, my friends. And it's not just a sin or certain sins. Listen to this again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. There is not one bit of unrighteousness that can be in us if we confess it, if we are willing to say, you're right, God, I'm wrong, forgive me, that he will not forgive and cleanse. Man, that's good news. And we see in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All of it. Whatever sin there is there, he will cleanse us from it. Now maybe you're thinking, well, Stuart, okay, walking in the light, doesn't that mean if I'm if I'm doing all the good things, if I'm doing all the right things, you know, you just said that God is light, in him there is no darkness at all, so I have to walk in light. That means I have to walk in goodness. I have to be good all my life, and then God will forgive me. Well, if you're good all your life, what's he got to forgive? So that's not the way to understand this passage, right? To walk in the light means we recognize what is true and what is good, and we say, I want what is true and good, but I recognize I'm not there yet. And I'm quick to confess that. I want what is good in my life, but I'm not there yet. And I'm quick to say, Jesus, I'm not there yet. You got to save me. Years ago, when I, I, I preached through 1 John, um, I gave this illustration, and I'll give it again, because I think it's been long enough that most of you have forgotten But imagine that you were in a long hallway. I mean one of the longest hallways you can imagine. And at one end of the hallway, the, hallway, the part of the hallway where you're standing, it's complete darkness. At the very end of the other side of the hallway is light. It's a bright light. And you can see that light and you go, oh, I want to be where the light is. And so you start walking down the hallway. And the closer you get to the light, the more you start to see, right? You, you, not just the light, but you start to see yourself. And then you look down and you go, man, my clothes are really ratty. And you look over in a mirror on the side of the wall and you go, oh, there's broccoli in my teeth. And my hair's all messy. And my face is all, you know, nasty looking. I really need to get cleaned up. That's part of what walking in the light looks like. The closer we get to the light, the more we see how we fall short. But we don't turn around and go back into the darkness. We keep walking to the light. You see all my errors. You see those hidden sins. You see everything about me that needs to be cleansed. Lord Jesus, I confess those things to you. 
cleanse me from the inside out. I want to be like you. Not just forgiven. Oh, I need forgiveness. But I want you to cleanse me so that I will be more like you. I want to live the truth by saying, this is who I was designed to be. I was designed to look like you. I don't look like you. Make me forgiven and make me like you. That's what it means to practice the truth. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who took our sins upon himself, the one who rose from the dead for us, and we say, Jesus, I want you, no matter what else there is, you are the truth, you are the life, you are everything, I want you. And let everything else fall to the side. That's what it means to practice the truth. So your action point for today Practice the truth. Practice it. Take the time to say, who am I? I was designed to bring glory to God by reflecting his goodness. I was designed to have fellowship with my God, with the one who created me. But I fall short. I fall short every day, sometimes every minute, sometimes every second. And I need Jesus. Jesus can wipe away all of my sins by his shed blood. Jesus can make me right with God through his resurrection. I need Jesus and I'm just going to keep walking towards the light. I'll close today with um, (laughs) a story that is sometimes attributed to Soren Kierkegaard. um, But I have not been able to verify that. And just to give you a little insight into what your pastor is like, how OCD I can be about things. I I saw this quote as a story, and I started looking through the Kierkegaard books that I have, that I have access to, and I couldn't find the story to verify that it actually comes from him. And so I emailed a Kierkegaard scholar to ask him, does this story really come from Kierkegaard? And lo and behold, he actually emailed me back and said, I don't really know. It sounds like Kierkegaard, but I'm not certain. And I'm not in my office this week, so I don't have access to my resources. But maybe you could go look at this book and you might be able to find it. So I did, and I couldn't find it. (laughs) So I have my doubts. But at the same time, this is a great story that I think gets at the heart of what we're trying to say here. And I'm just going to read it to you. There was a little town of ducks, you know, like quack, quack ducks. Just want to make sure you understand. Not those other ducks, quack, quack ducks. Every Sunday, the ducks waddle out of their houses and they waddle down Main Street to their church. They waddle into the sanctuary and squat in their proper pews. The duck choir waddles in and takes its place. And the duck minister comes forward and he opens the duck Bible. And he reads to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings. And you can fly like birds. And all the ducks shouted, Amen! 
and then they all waddled home. Folks, today, we've heard that we're to practice the truth. Practice the truth of who God designed you to be, of how we fall short of that, and what the solution to that is in Jesus. Don't waddle home today. Fly the way God designed you to be and the way Jesus has recreated you to be. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, will you help us today? Uh, We need, we need you. (laughs) We need you not only to forgive us of our sins, but to make us truly new creations. We need you, Holy Spirit, to work in us to not only show us our sin, but to cause us to be quick to confess and to want to Leave it behind. And help us to have fellowship with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our one true God who created us, designed us to have that fellowship. Lord, forgive us of how we have fallen short. Cleanse us because of Jesus and cause us to walk out of here today practicing your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.